This is Fan POV Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Fan Pod. It's your boy, uh, Cowboy Jake. Not a fan of the name, but that's how everybody knows me. We're uh, here to talk some fantasy football and uh, back by popular demand is our boy, Dougie Fresh. Doug, how you doing today? Doing pretty good, man. Excited to talk about some things that I uh, have a better grasp on. You know, fantasy football seems to be like my forte, something I'm really passionate about. So I'm ready to drop some knowledge on you guys. No doubt. This is the same guy that has about 14 different teams in uh, the fantasy or fan duels every single weekend. So, you know, we got the expert on for us, everybody. So with it being this time of the year, we're going to be talking some fantasy, like I mentioned. Uh, we're going to go through some mid-round values, some late sleepers, give you some idea about maybe looking at value of certain positions and everything like that. And uh, basically, we're going to start off right now. We're going to look at some Round three to round seven, mid-round values. Doug, you got anybody that comes to mind right away? So when I think of like round three to round seven, like I try to, in my first two rounds, I try to keep it safe, you know, pick somebody that I know is going to be just a home run for me. And then when it gets to round three to round seven, I like to start swinging for the the fences. So for me, like uh, when I get to round three to round seven, I see somebody like Odell Beckham on the board. He's coming off the board at 406 ADP. For those who don't know what ADP is, it's average draft position. It's just where these players are coming off the board on average. Um, Odell, to me, seems like a huge value. Here's why. Out of everybody going in that range, I think he's one of the few people that has number one overall upside. There's nobody in the fourth round that can be the number one overall at their position other than Odell, if you ask me. Not to mention, I know he had a slow year last year, but I think he's healthy. He had offseason core surgery. I think all around, I don't think Baker can be any worse. I just think that when it comes to Odell, he's going to have a big bounce back year, and I really, really like what I see out of him. Any thoughts on Odell, man? Yeah, I would uh, I would counter with that and just ask about uh, just the miles defeat on that team with uh, the addition to Austin Hooper. You got Jarvis Landry. Uh, you know, even David Njoku's there too. Uh, there's a lot of mouth speed, but you know, Odell, honestly, it's not even so much about Odell per se. I mean, what he had two touchdowns all last season, he makes me a little nervous and not so much because Odell, he's obviously got the talent, but I'm a little bit worried about Baker myself. Uh, I don't know. There's been a couple of times I've, uh, put him out there. Like this is his uh, prove it year. He's got too much around him. So I don't, I don't dis- disagree with that pick with Odell, but it's not my first one I go to, but you know, you're entitled to your opinion, my man. We're looking at him being at the average position of average draft position of 401, you mentioned? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yep. So I got the same thing. See, now I was going to go to the, the guy right behind him is Calvin Ridley. He's at 402. So when we say 402, folks, we mean that in the fourth round, the second pick. So, and this is it. We're, we're basing it off of a standard 12 person league uh, snake draft, you know, basically the most common one you can do. Uh, I like Kelvin Ridley a lot myself. I think that he has been productive this whole entire time in his uh, tenure at Atlanta, especially with a lot of uh, attention go to Julio. Kelvin gets a lot of single coverage looks because, you know, you want to put two or three men on uh, Julio himself. Uh, Every single year he seems to produce. And uh, the fact that he's going to the fourth round, I think he could uh, be a steal, especially um, at 402. I don't think you'd be mad about that one. Yeah, I like Ridley as well. I think he's in for a big year. Uh, Eventually... I don't want to call it before it happens, but eventually Julio's not going to be himself. He's 31. Usually after 30, you count a receiver off. Now Julio's a different type of guy all around. Like he's just a specimen in his own. But really eventually he's going to take over the reins to that team. And when he does, like he's going to be lethal. And even when he doesn't, I mean, he's still going to go crazy. 
But once he does become that number one, it's a wrap. And if it happens to be this year, that fourth round tag is definitely not not high enough. Speaking of uh, wide receivers, another guy I like too, who I don't think he gets a lot of uh, a lot of credit for what he does at uh, in LA with the Rams. Uh, Robert Woods at four oh nine, fourth round, ninth overall or ninth pick in the fourth round. If you look at his numbers for the last three seasons, yeah, he didn't have a, a whole lot of touchdowns last year per se, but he is a consistent yard getter. Like he's had over a thousand yards in the last three seasons with them. He just works in their situation or in their scheme too. As far as, you know, if you want to compare him to somebody like, uh, for example, uh, who's, who's the other guy I'm thinking of in their team? Cooper Cup. There you go. Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is not in every single passing situation the way that they've been running the two tight end sets the last couple uh, or this last season. Robert Woods is still on the field of that situation. Not to mention that he gets some handoff uh, capability and he can run for some yardage. Again, he's not going to win a, a league for you per se, but he's definitely a consistent player to have points going towards your uh, towards your overall total. Yeah, like I said, I like Robert Woods, but like I said. When in the first two rounds, I definitely like to like go for safety. In rounds three, four, five, six, I kind of like to shoot for upside. I do like Robert Woods if you if you grab like a Tyree Kill because he's someone who's consistent. He's not going to get you a lot of touchdowns. He is going to get you the yardage, the volume, but he's just kind of bland to me. I do like him. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a great value. He just kind of like man to me. He's not somebody who's ever going to be a top five receiver, but he's always going to be a wide receiver two without a doubt. Someone that you can rely on week in and week out to get you wide receiver two numbers, low end wide receiver one numbers. Uh, I can concur with that. Do you got anybody else you uh, like? My next guy that I like is Tyler Lockett. He's another guy who kind of goes under the radar, who's a stud, much like Robert Woods. Like, I think it's because DK Metcalf is on his team. When you look at those two guys, they're two completely different guys. Metcalf, 6'4", shredded, huge, go up and make big plays. Tyler Lockett's only 5'11". He doesn't fit the normal wide receiver one mold. But if you look at it, like, the dude is consistent. If you look at last year, so if he goes week week one through week nine, before he got injured in week 10, he was a number three fantasy wide receiver. And then in week 10, I don't know if you remember this, but they played San Francisco. They beat San Francisco. They upset him, and Tyler Lockett hurt his leg. And at first they were saying it was just a bone bruise. And then when they left San Fran, it was in San Francisco. When they left, they announced that, Tyler Lockett stayed at the hospital in San Francisco, which is weird. Like usually when players get injured, they don't stay in that city's hospital. You know, they, they'll get on the plane, they'll get treatment when they get home. But they said that it had something to do with compartment syndrome, which is where like your leg can like swell up crazy. They could even have to like leave it open to allow the swelling to go away. That's not just a normal injury. So like after that, he wasn't quite himself, but I mean, nobody would be, you know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't seem like it was just a regular bone bruise and he didn't even miss a week from it. After all that happened, he ended up playing the next week. He was more of a decoy, and DK went off. But I think with the healthy Tyler Lockett, I think that he has top five upside. Like I said, weeks one through weeks nine last year, number three fantasy wide receiver. I love Tyler Lockett going at the 502. Like at the start of the fifth round, there's no better value, if you ask me. Especially when you got uh, Mr. Unlimited throwing you the ball. <laughs> if uh, if the listeners are not familiar with that, uh, I challenge you to watch Russell Wilson's Unlimited uh, Twitter video. You will be amazed, let me tell you. That's another thing about Lockett. Like, Russ loves to throw to his receivers in the red zone. Last year, Tyler Lockett was the number four targeted receiver in the end zone. And most people will be like, well, doesn't he have DK? DK was the number one targeted receiver in the end zone. So that shows that even with DK getting a lot of end zone targets, Lockett can as well. Russ loves to throw to the receivers in the end zone. And we all know touchdowns can make or break a fantasy year. So that's another just – 
stat leaning in his favor of why I love him at the start of the fifth round. No doubt. And we'll get to it later. But like when you mentioned touchdowns, I like looking at somebody like, uh, and I'm not bringing this up just to bring it up per se, but just uh, when you mentioned touchdowns, you look at somebody like Leonard Fournette, who has a crazy amount of yards last year, but I think he had, what, three touchdowns all last exactly. season? So, so like you said, can make or break for you. Speaking of make or break, uh, one of the other guys I want to talk about, and Mikey P, you'll be happy about this, uh, Devontae Parker. Uh, he has came on in the last couple of seasons, I feel like, uh, you know, bless his heart, he is definitely irritated and, and peeved some of us off having him on our team you know, the first two or three seasons with Miami, but it seemed like he found his own niche last year and he had started producing. Uh, he had his best year last year, he had 10 touchdowns and uh, over a thousand yards. Uh, I don't know as far as what's happening with the quarterback situation. I know they're going to start Fitzpatrick and we'll see when Tua intervenes, but Devontae Parker for the moment is, it seems like the number one target, and especially because Albert Wilson is uh, their other wide receiver, the number two. He has bowed out for the uh, COVID, so he's not going to play this year. So looking for Parker to get a lot of looks, I feel like. Your boy Alan Hearns also opted out, which is kind of crazy. I mean, he seems to be, if Preston Williams isn't healthy, he's going to be the only show in town. And even if Preston Williams is healthy, Devontae Parker still proved last year he can produce. I like that. I like that call a lot. So we're going to move on. We're going to talk about some, you know, that was a three to seven. We're going to look for some late sleepers that people probably aren't thinking about. That's more towards your eight to eight to fifteen range as far as drafting. Uh, again, we're going to a standard twelve-person league snake draft. Uh, you know, typically it's about fifteen rounds per se. I know that's what we do for our for my personal league. Um, so we're going to go to some sleepers in that situation. Somebody you can snag and maybe get some production out of. You know, especially for the value. Doug, you got anybody that comes to mind right away? So for me, when it comes to like eight or later. I usually am not a fan of drafting rookies, and you would think that this year, especially, you would not be a fan of drafting rookies just because there's no preseason. But there's so many rookies in the late rounds that are in great situations. Like my first person I want to bring up here is Jalen Rager, wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, coming out of TCU. He's a first-round pick. Carson Wentz last year had no help, zero help at all. He was the first quarterback to throw for five thousand or 4,000 yards and not have a single receiver go for over 500 yards on the year. He was showing to uh, Doug Finch and Jake Skins out there. That's, Seriously. That's like People off the off the streets, basically. He had nobody. Now you bring in Rager, who's talented. Alshon Jeffries hurt again. Deshaun Jackson, injury prone. He's coming back. Rager kind of fits a similar mold to that. And I don't know if you guys remember, but last year, week one, Deshaun Jackson was the number one receiver. He only played one week. He got hurt for the rest of the year, but... Rager's kind of that similar mold. We know Deshaun Jackson can't stay healthy. He was my number two wide receiver coming out of the draft behind Jerry Judy. I remember telling you this. When we were when the draft season came around, I was I watched a lot of wide receiver tape, and I would text Jake all the time. Rager was my number two wide receiver, yes, over CeeDee Lamb. I do like CeeDee Lamb. I like all the receivers hey, whoa, in this whoa, class. Whoa, whoa. I love all the receivers in this class, but Jalen Rager is special, man. They could not get in the ball at TCU. I the quarterback play was terrible. But for a little guy, he's strong in the upper body. He has like a really great route tree. He can beat you over the top. I think Carson Wentz is going to fall in love with Jalen Rager, and I think he's going to be something special going at the 12.05. And all you have to do is spend a 12th-round pick. If he hits, cool. If he doesn't, who cares? It's the 12th round. You know what I mean? Exactly. What are you going to be picking up uh, your second defense at that time? Exactly. Note to the fans, do not do that, by the way. <laughs> uh, I couldn't agree more. I liked him a lot coming out of the draft. I was bummed that he went to the Eagles. I mean, Doug, Doug is also uh, an NFC East fan with uh, the Giants. So yeah, 
we were not we were not super happy to see that. But yeah, he was solid. Um, especially coming out of TCU, you mentioned he had nobody at quarterback to throw it to him. He still averaged the highest in the in college football last season as far as his uh yard yards, yards per catch. Yeah, I think it was eleven point five per catch. I mean, that's just with nobody throwing to him too, given given Carson West that weapon, uh yeah, he could be very dangerous. Uh a guy that I like too is um Marvin Jones for the Detroit Lions. Uh, he was injured last year, season, so like I guess he's not really on anybody's radar. I think that's why he's kind of a value. He's going at 8-11, uh, so 8th round, 11th pick. That's a steal. Everybody likes uh, likes his counterpart so much. Man, why am I blinking? Oh, uh, Kenny Galladay. There you go. Kenny Galladay out of uh, yeah, Northwest, or excuse me, out of uh, Northern Illinois. Um, Kenny Galladay blew up last year, and everybody fell in love with him. It's because Marvin Jones wasn't on the field. When Marvin Jones is on the field, they have the same exact stats. It's almost it's, it's eerie how close with the yardage and touchdowns they have when they're both on the field at the same time. Good for Kenny Galladay for uh, taking advantage of the situation where Marvin wasn't on the field and, and picking up the ball and and producing when he needed to. But you look at Marvin Jones, I mean, he's going. Look, Kenny Galladay is going in the third round right now. Marvin Jones in the back into the eighth and they're still producing the same Matt Stafford hasn't lost his touch I, I always promote him I think Marvin Jones is a steal at that at that position for me I love Marvin Jones I think it just comes down to if Kenny Galladay can take that next step I don't know that he will I think Marvin Jones is going to produce regardless but I think I have seen that before where they have like literally almost the exact same stat line when they're on the field together I do think though that Time might be passing Marvin Jones up. I still like him this year, but I do look for Kenny Galladay to take a step forward. So we'll see exactly what goes down with Marvin Jones. I like him. If if you're like shallow at wide receiver, grab him. By all means, you can play him weekly 100%, but I don't know how many of them blow-up games he's going to have with Kenny Galladay on the field with him. Right, especially with these sleeper picks, too. None of these guys are going to win your whole entire league for you. They're just going to be producing for you and probably in that third flex position spot for you in most typical leagues. Uh, it seems like we've been focusing a lot on wide receivers. I guess we should probably note that most of your running backs are, are going hit. in the earlier exactly. rounds. Exactly. They're, they're not exactly a whole lot you can get at per se with uh, value with the running backs. Cause you get like your Christian McCaffrey's, your Saquon's and your Zeke's. And then after that it kind of falls off, even your Dalvin cooks per se. With, so, with well, that being said, I'll give you a running back here that I like in the late rounds. Latavius Murray, he's going off the board at 9.07, the seventh pick of the ninth round. I like him a lot, man. He got a, So not only does he have standalone value, last year he had 180 total touches. So you can play him week to week in your flex spot if you have to. He'll get you a couple points. They run him in the red zone. That's like 11 touches a game. That's enough to be fantasy viable by yourself. So he has standalone value. But the upside he has when Al, if, if or when Alvin Kamara gets hurt is crazy. Last year, Kamara was hurt for week seven and eight. He didn't play. In those two weeks, Murray was the number one running back in all of fantasy, better than your Christian McCaffrey's, better than your Saquon's. He was the number one running back. So not only in the ninth round do you get somebody that you can play, he can stay on your bench, you can play him in a pinch, but you also get someone that if that injury does occur, you just won your fantasy football league. Like It can't be said like the importance of getting a number one overall running back in the ninth round if something does happen. That wins you your league, truthfully. like 100%. It's a great pick in the ninth round. Somebody that I really like. 100%. I feel like every year I get that random, not that I'm that the super luckiest guy, but back to back years, I remember getting Philip Lindsay with uh, Denver when he was a rookie coming out of Colorado. He ended up getting the starting position. He saved me. I actually got uh, Alvin Kamara years back when 
when Mark Ingram was uh, still there and got him off the waiver wires. And I that. guarantee you won your league that year. That's what I'm saying about Murray. If he does hit, if something does happen to Kamara, you will win your league if you have Latavius Murray. I promise you that. 100%. Especially with this year and what's going on. I mean, you could have somebody like an Alvin Kamara, obviously, with uh, Latavius Murray. And what if he goes out for two weeks with uh, with COVID? Now you got you know the the stable the stable horse of the uh, running the running game. Uh, same thing with like a Tony Pollard if Zeke went out and et cetera et cetera. You could go through a hundred teams in. Right. The only difference between like Pollard and Madison, all those guys that are backups, they're like heavy handcuffs. Latavius Murray also gives you week to week value. Like you could still plug him in even if Kamara doesn't get hurt. He got like I said, he got 180 total touches last year. That's enough to be at least fantasy viable. Like absolutely, that's the only that's the only reason I like him. That's the thing that separates him from somebody like Pollard or Madison or any of them. You're absolutely right, <clears throat> especially at the value. Like you said, what did you say he was going in the tenth round? Nine oh seven. Yeah, late ninth round. Perfect. So even Doug touched on himself about uh, rookies. And we're going to keep with the running back theory. Uh, I'm seeing two different guys that are rookies right now that are going out fairly late. You got Zach Moss in Buffalo, who I like a lot because I watch a lot of Utah football. Uh, being the degenerate gambler that I am, the Pac-12 is what's on at 10 o'clock at night. Uh, I watch a lot of him at Utah. He reminds me a lot of Marion Barber. And with the situation he has in Buffalo, he could basically be the Marion Barber to uh, when we had Julius Jones. I don't even mention that bum's name, but... In that situation, Marion Barber had, I want to say, 11 touchdowns a year that he was following behind Julius Jones, and he was only running on third down the goal lines. I can see Zach Moss doing the same exact thing in Buffalo. You know, you got uh, Singletary, you know, doing the bell cow thing. I just see him coming in in the red zone and powering through and blowing things up. And, and Doug mentioned it earlier about value and touchdowns. Zach Moss isn't going to get you 100 yards per se, but he might get you a touchdown or two, and it's just worth the value, especially when he's going at ninth round, 10th overall, 10th pick. Uh, I don't I don't hit on that one bit. The other guy I was thinking about, too, is J.K. Dobbins. I think that one's a little bit more obvious to everybody, especially because he's you know coming from Ohio State and they produce those running backs. Him being behind Mark Ingram, you mentioned something about uh, what's-his-face losing uh, value as far as his uh, age or whatever. Um, Mark Ingram's in the same in the same boat. I could see J.K. Dobbins being the starter by the you know week five, week six per se. Once he gets uh, the feel of everything, and he can catch out of the backfield, he's a lot more versatile, especially in that offense. You know, nobody's going to be keeping eyes on him. You can get him in the eighth in the eighth round at the first pick. Uh, it's worth a it's worth a shot. I feel like for sure. I love J.K. Dobbins, the player. I mean, I am Ohio State fan clearly, but I love him overall as a prospect. The only thing that worries me about Dobbins is even if he does win the job over Mark Ingram, I still think Ingram has somewhat of a role. I think Dobbins has a role from day one. I think, But even if he does beat out Ingram, Ingram's still going to get 10 touches. I think that backfield was made for two, three, sometimes even four running backs last year. I mean, you've seen, you've seen Mark Ingram get carries. You've Gus seen Edwards. Gus Edwards. It was all different type of people that were getting carries in that backfield. So. I think that J.K. will take over the job at some point, but I still think Mark Ingram will be a big enough factor to where J.K. isn't. You don't see the full potential until next year. So we're going to transfer over now. That's some all, all good advice for you guys. Three people that we would not touch in our own fantasy team. Doug, who's the first person that comes to mind? I should, I should note, though, right now, we are looking at ADP, so average draft position. We are thinking about value and what you can get. So, so – I'll let you I'll let you indulge into that. So for me, what it comes down to is like who do I like at 
what value, right? So in the second round, Nick Chubb is going off the board at 202. I wouldn't touch Nick Chubb if you paid me. I love Nick Chubb, the player. Don't get me wrong. Last year, he's pro football focus. is number one overall rated running back. But at the end of the day, he's he's splitting time with Kareem Hunt regardless. Last year when Kareem Hunt came back in week eight, if you look at it from week eight on, that's when Kareem Hunt came back. Kareem Hunt outscored Nick Chubb in fantasy football. I'm not saying that's how it's going to go this year, but that shows you that the Browns want to involve Kareem Hunt. Like they want to involve him so bad, which don't get me wrong. I would too. He was one of the best running backs in the league when he had the chance. So I like Nick Chubb, the player. I like Kareem Hunt, the player. I just don't like where Nick Chubb's going at 212. I think there's guys you can get later that are much like Nick Chubb. And I've heard this comparison before, but Jonathan Taylor comes to mind. He's in the exact same, same situation, except for his number two running back is not even half the player that Kareem Hunt is. And, and Jonathan Taylor is just as much as, of a stud as Nick Chubb. So, like, if, if it's me, I would not touch Nick Chubb at 202. I would look maybe at a different running back, maybe at some of the big receivers, wait, and, like I said, swoop up someone like Jonathan Taylor. I'm just – I'm staying away from Nick Chubb this year. Yeah, I don't blame you one bit. Uh, there's been a lot of talk to how Kareem Hunt's been getting a little bit more uh, action in the in the last couple of weeks or the last couple of days as far as like training camp goes. You know, like, this is a guy that was at Kansas City that you know proved his, proved his worth, and unfortunately he had his incident. I think that's what really sidelined him. Obviously, I like how you mentioned uh, Jonathan Taylor. I wasn't trying to do the uh, rookie running back thing too much, but here's another guy I was thinking about when I mentioned J.K. Dobbins and Zach Moss. Uh, a guy that I'm going to stay away from. Now, keep in mind what he's saying about Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's a great player, but for the value, you can get better people at that position. Uh, somebody, again, I love the guy. He's the best in the league at what he does. But Patrick Mahomes, quarterback going for at 205, the thing is people don't realize is you can get he, – he is not that much superior as far as fantasy points. When it comes to fantasy, it doesn't matter if your team, you know, the team you're watching is getting blown out 35 or 14. If your individual player gets those 14 or those two touchdowns for the 14 points, you have a win. It doesn't matter what the team itself does. And same with Pat Mahomes, you know, like he's going to throw, he's going to put some numbers up or whatever. But if you compare somebody like him to, like, say, a, a Matt Ryan who goes in the ninth or tenth round, the overall total points for the whole entire season is not that big as far as. Uh, a difference yeah difference so for you to spend it at 205 you can get so much more value going with like a deandre hopkins or a a chris godwin or even like a george kill or or travis kelsey uh positions that you know the idea is that the quarterback is not that big of a difference per se point wise whereas like uh, i mentioned the the said wide receivers or tight ends are that much higher in value per se as points for the season uh, I, I mean, again, I love Patrick Mahomes. I know he's going to win you some games some some weeks, but even himself, like he went from the, the season he started when he had 50 touchdowns, and the last season he only had 36. I, don't, I say only in a ha-ha, but, you know, sooner or later, you know, stuff's going to drop off it, as, as far as value goes. I, I would say I would stay away from Pat Mahomes. I think that's just a point in general. Like if for those who are new to fantasy football, and I don't know how many of our listeners are, I would hope that. You know, most of our listeners are fairly educated when it comes to football, but fantasy might not be in your realm. As a general rule of thumb, wait on quarterback. If you're playing in your standard one quarterback league, wait on quarterback. You want to know who people were getting in the 13th round last year? A guy named Lamar Jackson. Want to know who people were getting in the 13th round the year before that? That was the number two overall quarterback, Josh Allen. Like, 
when it comes to fantasy football, quarterbacks don't matter as much as they should. Like they should matter. They should be the most important position in the whole game because they are in real football. When it comes to fantasy football, there's so many playable quarterbacks. Don't reach early on the quarterback and thank me later. Stack up on your positions of need. You play two running backs, two wide receivers, and you play a flex. You need those positions, as whereas you only play one quarterback. Just wait on quarterback and thank me later. You'll you'll be happy with the results. Yeah, even like to that point too. Like I said, you can get the Matt Ryan's or the Matt Stafford's that put up very similar numbers in the tenth or eleventh round. You know, per se. Even so, like you can even do the flex or the flex position thing where you just. Basically, get a new quarterback every damn week. Last year, I went yeah, with stream. Yeah, you just stream. That's what I was looking for. Why I said flux. It's all good. That's why we got Doug here, guys. That's why, uh, or ladies and gentlemen, he, he's here to correct me on on the silly stuff I say. Uh, I mean, yeah. To that point, like last season, I had Kirk Cousins and Ryan Fitzpatrick. I just looked at their matchups per se, and I just flopped them in and out. I got both of them off the waiver wires. Not to toot my own horn, I was in the championship game last year, so uh, you know. Something was being right. It didn't, it didn't hurt to have Christian McCaffrey, but, you know, we'll, that's, we'll let the other ones decide on that. Uh, as far as another person I, too, I look at is Mark Andrews, the tight end for Baltimore. I know he blew up last season. And everybody loved him. You have to understand now, too, though, the way they're running that situation, the fact that they got rid of Hayden Hurst, he is going to get so many more eyes on him this year. And I'm not going to say he's not going to get his, his touchdowns or his yardage, per se, but he's not going to do what he did last year. What do you have, like 11 touchdowns last year? Uh, he led the league with tight ends, we, even with Kittle and Kelsey out there. The fact that they got rid of Hayden, I just feel like with what's going on there, he's going to regress so quickly. And at 404, you can get so much more value in like a DJ Metcalf or A.J. Brown, both our oldest boys. Uh, Robert Woods is right there too. I, I just feel like Mark Andrews you can probably wait on. And that's kind of the same sense too. If you're not getting the Travis Kelsey or the George Kittle, Tight ends, you can wait on to the very end, of, like towards the end of the draft. You're still going to get value. There's not a whole lot of them out there that are valuable enough to be taken at such a high position. For my next won't own, it's a guy that it goes as a counterpart to what Jake talks about. And just a preview for the listeners, at some point here we're going to give our one must own, and this kind of coincides with my one must own. But my one of my won't owns is Devin Singletary going at 403. He's on the third pick of the fourth round. So that means if you really like Devin Singletary, you might even have to reach and grab him at the end of the third. It's not worth it, guys. I'm going to talk. I'm not going to get too deep into it because when I talk about my one must own, I'll get more into it. But he's he's not even the best running back in his backfield. Do not draft Devin Singletary. He's a guy who's not going to get full time workload. He's going to split carries if he's. If he's lucky, it goes 60-40 in his favor, but I could easily see in it go 70-30 the other way as well. Just don't don't draft Devin Singletary. You'll regret it, I promise you, on the second pick of the fourth round. 100%, and we already mentioned Zach Moss earlier, and that that's basically to the point like what I was saying earlier. Uh, he's not going to get the workload. I feel like he's not going to be the red zone, uh, red zone carrier, so uh, good point on that. One person, too, the, uh, the last person I want to talk about is Will Fuller. I, dude, I can't, I can't get past his injuries. I know he has his – he's so bang or bust for me. And he's going at – I know it's kind of a little later in the draft in the uh, 702 position, but people are talking about how he's going to be the main, the main man there now that uh, Hopkins is gone. You forget that Brandon Cooks is there. You forget that uh, they signed Randall Cobb, who had over 800 yards receiving last year for the Cowboys. 
I know he's got a little bit more uh, familiarity with uh, Deshaun Watson, but at the end of the day, I mean, Will Fuller cannot stay on the field. And even when he is, it seems like he's so bang or bust. You know, you look at his point totals for last year's fantasy football, it go, it's, such a, it's such a crazy spike where you get like 30 points one week. Holy hell, great. And then the next week it's two. Next week after that it's three. Then he goes back up to 20. And then it's two. And then one. And then he's injured again. It just seems like... I don't understand the value of Will Fuller. I, I seen a meme the other day that said they need to have a 30 for 30 out in uh, Notre Dame where he came from, how, how they kept him health, healthy because <laughs> it's just it's just amazing how, how much he is, is and isn't on the field. Right, for sure. I think some people are just hoping with Fuller that with no DeAndre Hopkins, if he can stay healthy, and that's a huge if. I mean, we've never seen it happen. But if for some reason it did happen, I think he would – He'd be way more valuable than his ADP, but that's just if I'm not willing to bet on as well. I guess I'm just looking too that you know the fact that they signed Brandon Cooks as well, and he's only four positions lower right. as far as like uh, average draft position. Brandon Cooks is not is average 1,100 yards in every spot he's been in. So you got to think too, like he is quick to adapt. So he's gone from New Orleans to New England to the Rams. So I don't think it's going to be a whole lot to uh, expect, or not to expect him not to. Get transition, right yeah, exactly. So he'll be he'll be right there with him. I feel like so. I just yeah for the value. I, I don't like Will Fuller right there. I like that call. I like that call. My last won't own is a guy that I feel like a lot of people love, and they probably actually rode into a couple fantasy championships. But my guy Zach Ertz. I don't like Zach Ertz this year simply because if you look back at all the time Zach Ertz has produced, it's when Philly's receiving cores caught the injury bug last year he literally had no Carson Wentz had no one to throw to I mean he's literally throwing to former college quarterbacks out there as his number one receiver so of course Zach Ertz is going to eat it's the one guy that Wentz trusts now with everybody coming back healthy I know Alshon may start on the pup may not we'll see Sean Jackson supposedly is healthy you got Jalen Rager like I just think Zach Ertz doesn't produce at nearly the clip he did last year he's a volume guy and when he's not getting that volume He's he's not as good. Not to mention, right behind him is a younger, better version of him in Dallas Goddard. I mean, a physical freak who in the red zone takes over. So he's if he's not getting red zone targets, if he only gets targets when people when the injury occurred to the receiving core, I just don't see any value in Sackers. Hundred percent, especially like you mentioned, Dallas Goddard being in the in the waiting whim right there too. You know, they they spent what was a first round draft pick on Dallas Goddard, so obviously they expect to use him. Uh, it's odd, it's odd that his name is Dallas and he's playing against them all the time. Right, true. He's not happy about that. Seen something they had, uh, they wanted to change his name in Philadelphia. They're going to change it to Philly Goddard, but I don't think that ever went through. So, well, the clear, apparently they don't like him very much in Philly. I don't know if you've seen the video of him getting sucker punched at the, at the bar just a couple weeks ago. He broke his jaw. He got sucker punched in Philadelphia. Should have been wearing a mask. Shouldn't have been out at the bar, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't be putting yourself in that situation. So, Doug, who is the one person we're going to transition now? Who is the one person that you said is a must-own at their value and position and what you think is just a complete steal? So, what I think of when I think of a must-own, I think of a guy that I'm willing to reach on. I think of a guy I want every single one of my teams. And you kind of stole my thunder earlier, but I didn't want to interject and say that. My one must-own comes at in the early 11th round, it's Zach Moss. So when I first thought of like, who do I want as my must own? I thought about people I like, and I like Zach Moss. I watch him a lot at Utah, those late night Pac-12 games on Fox. Like I watch Zach Moss a lot. And if you haven't watched, watched Zach Moss in college, go back and look up his college highlights. He's a bull. 
He's fun to watch. He's he's a big, strong running back, breaks a lot of tackles. He can catch the ball. But what I like most about him is I went ahead and did a little study on all the third-round running backs over the last five seasons. There were 15 running backs picked in the third round over the last five seasons. Two of them were injured in their first year, so I only took 13 players' data. Of those 13 people, in year number one, they averaged 118.4 fantasy points. That average would have finished at RB38. Right now, just on that set alone, Zach Moss is the 48th running back off the board. I think he could be a lot more than that. Here's why. People keep saying, well, Devin, it's Devin Singletary's job. Well, I don't know about you, but what I know about the NFL is draft picks are gold. Third-round draft picks aren't exactly like the, uh, the held to the highest regard, but for running backs, they are. Like running backs don't get picked in the first round unless they are absolute studs. They don't get picked in the second round unless you're Jonathan Taylor, a guy who has all the college production to go with the speed, the body, like yeah, exactly. You don't waste those picks. So the third round is a big deal for running backs. Devin Singletary was a third round pick. I don't know about you, but I don't pick a running back in the third round like him and then turn around and pick another running back in the third round the next year. Like that's, that's a wasted pick. They, so both of them hold the same exact amount of value in the bill's eyes. If not, Moss probably holds more. You don't, like I said, you don't pick a second running back in the third round after you just picked one if you like your regular running back from last year. Most people see Singletary as a third down back and maybe Moss leading leading as a bull rusher. The knock on Singletary coming out was he wasn't a pass catcher. Zach Moss is a better all-around running back than this guy, without a doubt. He's a better pass catcher. He's a better runner. Devin Singletary. Terry is a guy that you get in space and he can make a play. Don't get me wrong. He's very crafty. He's not very fast, though. I just think that Zach Moss comes in and takes that job. I don't think there's any way he doesn't. Not to mention, Frank Gore left that team. Now, people are like, oh, Frank Gore, he's way past his prime. He got 179 touches last year. Those touches go somewhere. I think Zach Moss walked into easily 200 touches. I think he outproduces RB48 without a doubt. And if you don't believe me, Here's some of those running backs that were picked in the third round over the last five years. Five years ago, guy was picked in Arizona named David Johnson. We all know what happened there. The year after that, Kenyon Drake, who, where's he going in the draft this year? Two years after that, this was the class that came out in 2017. Alvin Kamara, number two running back. Kareem Hunt, number three overall running back. James Conner, the year after that, he's the number one running back in Pittsburgh. Then if you if you go down, then you go to 2019, you have Devin Singletary, a guy that people love and are drafting the fourth round. Like he's he's gonna be old news after you. You got David Montgomery, a guy who's getting a bunch of touches. Like I really think this is Zach Moss Zach Moss's job to just go and take. I think he's really gonna he's gonna take this job, he's gonna run away with it. I think that Buffalo loves to run the ball. The only problem I have with them a little bit is Josh Allen loves to run the ball in the red zone. But at some point, if he's your franchise quarterback, you can't let him take those hits in the in the end zone. You can't. You can't keep doing that. I think Zach Moss comes in and takes the job, and I think that everybody should want him on their fantasy team. Yeah, 100%. And um, just to reiterate, all the running backs you just listed off were all third-round draft picks, if you can believe that or not, especially like an Alvin Kamara or uh, even like David Montgomery, I think it's going to blow up at some point. But I like everything you just said. Obviously, I uh, promoted Zach Moss. Somebody, it's funny you mentioned about stealing your thunder with Zach Moss. Kind of stole my thunder too with uh, the one player I want to own at Jalen Rager. You know, you basically meant <laughs> you said everything for me as far as uh, the what's going on in Philadelphia. The fact that he was at TCU and he had nobody throwing it to him, but he still average. He was still the highest average uh, 
yards per catch in college football last season. Jalen Rager is a guy that I'm looking at too, especially at 1108. Uh, that's such a steal. Like you mentioned, everything you just said about Zach Moss and getting him in that late in the round, I could see Jalen Rager be the number one wide receiver there because you never know. Like you said, Alshon's already on the pup list. You never know about Deshaun Jackson. He's like 86 years old. Uh, there's no one else to throw to, really. I mean, I think Carson Wentz is going to be so happy to have uh, a weapon like this. I could just see him blowing up real quick. I mean, he would even be my uh, my wager to be the uh, offensive rookie of the year, to be honest. So especially at 1108, he's he's a guy that I must own at that value. Like I can't not I could not pass on him. Hell, I might even take him like the ninth or tenth round to be honest. So I got a question for you. Do you mind me giving the listeners one more must have, man? By all means, I'll let it slide this time. So there's one more must have for me that didn't fit in any of our categories. He wasn't. He's an early round pick, so we weren't going to talk about him. Everybody knows rounds one through two are all studs. There's a guy for me. At the end of the second round, he falls into the third round. If he falls into the third round, grab him. His name's George Kittle. There's nobody in San Francisco right now. Debo Samuel has the Liz Frank injury. They're talking about he might start the year. He might start the year in the pup. We never know. Brandon Ayuk just came off the field the other day with a hamstring injury. Everybody is hurt there. Uh, Dante Pettis has proven that he's not good. Their best wide receiver right now in the field is Trent Taylor. I'm doubting many of you know who Trent Taylor is. He's a slot guy who is worth nothing. He's bagging groceries last week. That's what I'm saying. George Kittle is going to see as many targets as he can handle, and we know what he can do after the catch with the ball in his hand. That's what makes him so special. He can take. He's one of the few tight ends that can take a 10-yard slant and turn it into 50. Usually when you think of that, you think of like the speed receiver, the, guy, the flashy guys. No, George Kittle is one of the best after the catch with the ball in his hands. It's – it's fun to watch. Not only will you enjoy having on your team for the fantasy points, he's fun to watch every Sunday. Like you will really enjoy your fantasy football team if you grab George Kittle. Now, what was that video? I, it was against the Falcons. It was a goal line position where he was blocking, but he actually pancaked the the defender, and you could see him just get up and he's cracking up laughing. <laughs> this man just enjoys football, man. He is he is a football player to the T. That's one of the people too, as far as like we we're talking about tight ends and value. If you're not getting George Kittle or Travis Kelsey, you need to wait on that. But those two are worth, especially George Kittle, like he's mentioned with all those uh, injuries or whatever. Like he's going to get a lot of targets. It's worth the value as far as like getting him at you know the third or fourth round. Because then after that, like who else are you going to get? You know that's going to be comparable. When we mentioned value at the position, no one else is going to top top that. I, I don't feel like. Uh, yeah, I mean honestly, when you talk about like just obvious things in the world. Uh, the other person I kind of was looking at too was uh, Clyde, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. But uh, I love that pick. The thing is, though, is he's gotten so much hype now that Damian Williams has bowed out. Like he is the man in Kansas City right now. He is so much like uh, one of uh, Andy Reid's typical running backs. You know, as far as um, who's the guy I'm blanking on that went to Villanova that played for Philly with them? Uh, Sproles. No, no not, uh, not Darren Sproles. Um, um, I know we're both blanking. We sound like idiots, guys. So. I can't think of what his name is, but I know who you're talking about. It's the same style of running back. Brian Westbrook. There you go, Brian Westbrook. We should know that because he destroyed both of our yeah, teams for that long time. Brian Westbrook. So, like, this Clyde uh, Hilaire is going to come out of the backfield. He's going to be in all the touches. He's going to catch the ball. He's been looking phenomenal the last couple of days of the of training camp. He seems like he's uh, he's got his stuff together. Like, he knows the playbook. Uh, Andy Reid came out and said that uh, he's impressed that how quickly he has acclimated to the playbook, you know, especially going from college to the NFL. 
I know that's an obvious one, especially because he's going at uh, the eighth overall pick in the first round. But that's somebody that I would look at too, as far as uh, I won't say the obvious value. I guess like that's not somebody I'm worried about taking. I guess at that position. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's a little bit shorter of an episode. We got about you know 40 minutes in for you. Try to keep it nice and short and sweet for you. Hopefully, we give you some advice that you can do something with, and maybe be the smartest guy in the room at your fantasy football draft this this upcoming week or two. Uh, for that being said, though, uh, Doug, thanks for coming on, my man. I, I mean, this this is going to be a regular thing, I hope. Yeah, I can't wait, man. I'm glad that I'll be coming on the pod weekly. Uh, I got a lot of fantasy advice, a lot of football knowledge. Me and Jake are, are ready to start dropping the facts on you, so make sure you guys subscribe and uh, let's do it weekly. Like you said, too, like I'm uh, I'm, an, I'm happy to have somebody – I'm happy to have him on so he could voice his opinion to other people so he doesn't have to blow my phone up all the time. <laughs> You know, tell me about his 14 different lineups in uh, FanDuel. But uh, that being said, yeah, like, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Thanks for uh, listening and subscribing. And uh, we're out for FanPov.